to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. This is episode 45, and we're here again with our pastors, Pastor Ross Hodges and Pastor John Payne. And so this afternoon, we're going to speak about a somewhat sober issue that has recently occurred. Uh, I'm sure many of you have already read the headlines and seen reports of what occurred in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, recently and what we want to discuss this afternoon would be what should be the Christian response to what has already happened so I guess I'll leave that question open so start with John what should be the at least basic Christian response to what has happened I think our our first response of course needs to be uh, considered through the lenses of our uh, biblical convictions uh, our Theology speaks into this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just not a matter of uh, politics or mm-hmm. the way you grew up. If you're a Christian, then you're going to think about these things from a Christian perspective and a biblical perspective and worldview. And I think the first thing we must say is that uh, racism, uh, white supremacism, uh, these these neo-Nazis that, uh, while I don't think there are as many of them as sometimes uh, the, the news media purports that there are. You would think that they were taking over the country <laughs> if you watched the news long enough. Um, but we must first and foremost uh, condemn the, the actions and the, the, the words uh, of these uh, young um, uh, white supremacist neo-Nazis uh, types. Uh, they, uh, some of them claim to be Christians as well, which their views are very much antithetical to biblical uh, Christianity, to, to Scripture. Uh, any that would try to pervert Scripture to, to support such a position is just ludicrous. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the first thing I think we want to say, is that it's uh, absolutely antithetical to, to biblical Christianity. And any of these folks who are trying to you know, bring together a, uh, a racist, uh, white supremacist view uh, and then bring it together with Scripture is just uh, on a fool's errand. It's, it's never happened. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be soundly and loudly condemned very clearly. There's, there's no cause, no quarter for this. Uh, absolutely, um, completely antithetical to Scripture to have any sort of uh, teaching or thought that uh, any race is superior to any other race, that, that we are anything other than uh, one race before God, namely the, the race of those descended from Adam, mm-hmm. and to try and elevate oneself uh, because of one's race or the DNA that it is flowing through one's veins is ludicrous, and yeah. it's, um, it is an abomination to the gospel. Yeah, and it needs to be made... Uh abundantly clear because we live in an age now where uh, even professing Christians uh, say that uh, the opening chapters of Genesis are in the category of myth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will hold to a kind of theistic evolution and they don't believe in the historic uh, Adam. Mm-hmm. And uh, lots of books are being written, in fact, uh, trying to defend the position of the historic Adam. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make it clear that uh, the, the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God, and it speaks very clearly about the fact that we are all descended from uh, from Adam uh, mm-hmm. and, and Eve. And so uh, we have that not just in the opening 
chapters of Genesis, but also uh, reinforced and communicated in the New Testament, uh, not least in Romans chapter 5, where Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says in Romans 5:12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. We are all descendants of Adam. He mm -hmm. is in the—he's the first man in the genealogies in the opening chapters mm -hmm. of the Gospels, yep. and um, so it needs to be made clear that for any man or woman to think that they are inherently better than someone else because of the color of their skin, because of their uh, cultural uh, or ethnic background, because of their education, because of their uh, uh, how much money they have in their bank account. Uh, because of their talents and gifts, uh, it is just going completely contrary to uh, Scripture. Yeah, amen. I, and you can't, you can't take Scripture anywhere from Genesis to Revelation and try to make a case other than that um, there is God and there is man. And there's uh, a level playing field with mankind that um, the, the common element is created in the image of God, and then secondly, the common element is needing redemption Amen. by grace. Yeah, we are all depraved sinners, yes. no matter what our background is. Exactly. exactly. I think one of the things I find intriguing about this, uh, this, this kind of thinking about the politics of it and all the I guess, nuances there, but then there's kind of the more basic fundamental point that oftentimes we're not just speaking in abstract categories. Some of these people may be members of true churches, in some way or fashion and so it's a interesting question to wonder how does one in one sense deal with the reality that there may be actual you know real racists that exist within actual churches mm -hmm. and then two the question uh, then becomes why must racism must why must racism be cut down to the roots within the actual visible church yeah. and, and to me that's the probably the more important question because we know from, if you even just start in Genesis 4, we know that as long as there have been different people groups, there have been various hostilities among different people groups. It's not unique to the American experience, and it's not unique to the Western world. Just look through your Bible, look through world history. Yeah. There's ethnic conflict all over the place. But what the scriptures are saying uh, in terms of redemption is that he's redeeming people from all of these different tribes. Yes. And somehow by the work of the Holy Spirit, those tribes of people that are once ethnically in conflict and have all of these various sorts of historical hostilities, when they come together in Christ within the church, the Holy Spirit works upon such people that they love those people and they love each other in spite of historic kind of ethnic tensions. And so within the church, it's a, a different uh, approach to this because we know what the banner it is that we're under. We're not supporting just American civic pride. We're under the banner of Christ who redeemed all of these people from different tribes, nations, and languages, and tongues, mm -hmm. and we're all together in one body. Yeah, right? and if you're a Christian, then you're a Christian first. Amen. Yes. And then you're an American, mm -hmm. or then you're a Nigerian, or yeah. then you're an Asian. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to make that point. It's one reason why we don't have uh, an American flag up in the front of our, our church yes. uh, on the Lord's Day because we're not promoting in that hour of worship uh, national pride yeah. or our citizenship in this passing evil age, which mm -hmm. is our citizenship as, as American citizens. 
we are first and foremost focused on the fact that we're citizens of heaven and under the citizenship of heaven and in Christ. Amen. Yeah, and isn't that one of the main points that uh, Paul is making throughout the epistles as he's writing to various congregations of mixed ethnicities? And in Colossians 3, he's uh, making the very clear point that in Christ you are one. Mm -hmm. There is not Jew and Greek. There is not even male and female. There is not barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. There, there, you, are, you are Christian. Yeah. You are in Christ, mm -hmm. and that is your chief identity and so what the gospel is intended to do in part is to teach us not to view distinctions as uh, identifiers, mm -hmm. um, but to view instead our, uh, our unity in Christ as the primary identifier that we have for ourselves. And it's not just an aspirational thing. We don't become the body of Christ when we work together. The, yes. the scripture is very clear that are, you are, are the it's our present tense, yeah. Yeah. that you're not stretching for something. This is who we are, and we're living out of who we are now. And that's why when we think about uh, any sort of real ethnic strife in the church, the response isn't do better by loving your brother. That isn't the first response. Your first response is you are the body of Christ. Yeah. Both of you together are members of of the same body yes. within the same church and be who you are be who you are yeah you don't have the right to rip apart the body of Christ because you want to hold on to a worldly ethnic superiority so to speak amen yes yes so Gabe when you see things like this uh, unfold in Charlottesville I mean what what are you thinking about what are you thinking about as, a, as an African-American? Well, there's a couple of things. I think the, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is you always have to be careful not to overreact because we don't live in a day in which our public media is perfectly representing reality. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we have a media uh, at this point that is sensationalistic. The, I mean, we know what sells. It is drama. Newstainment. Yeah, it's not the normal things you would normally report. And so the first thing that you, I always ask myself when I see anything like this happens would be, one, how big is this actual thing? And so it's one thing to say that a million people marched to Washington to sow, uh, sow seeds of neo-Nazi ideology. It's another thing to say we saw a couple of hundred protesters somewhere in Charlottesville. That, that the scale is different. And what that means, to me at least, is that this isn't this pan-epidemic problem that just arose out of nowhere. This is something that, although it's real, it's not mm -hmm. as widespread as you feel tempted to suggest it is. Yeah, so it's important to remember that when you're watching the news mm -hmm. and you know, you're hearing you know, two people... Uh, arguing heatedly about this issue and then you're on the left side of the screen seeing you know six college students pulling down a, a statue of Robert E. Lee over and over and over mm -hmm. and spitting on it and all that like as you said Gabe this is not a million man march <laughs> this is six or seven college kids you know uh, uh, acting out and um, so yeah it's just important to keep some perspective now with that a question for you brothers we we can sit here and say, okay, let's not overreact, and I think that's absolutely appropriate, and we have to take that warning. But how do we as Christians interact with those that 
are greatly affected by this and the, um, their emotions are higher and let's say they're, they're on a different side of the issue than, than we are as far as the way that they think it's being handled or should be handled and those sorts of things. How do we as Christians then deal with that? I think the first thing is that everybody needs Christ. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs the gospel. And there's been a tendency uh, within Christian circles to speak vehemently and angrily against certain sins that are not culturally acceptable mm-hmm. and to speak very gently and kindly and thoughtfully about sins that are acceptable in the culture, like, mm-hmm. for instance, homosexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, white supremacists, those who are dealing with racist thoughts, they need the gospel. That's, mm-hmm. that's their greatest mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. And so they need us. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know any white supremacists. I don't know if I've ever known a white supremacist. But if, for instance, I became, you know, in, in contact with a white supremacist and and I knew I had an opportunity to share, I, I, I wouldn't think that, you know, getting in their face and pointing my finger at them and, and, and condemning them is the right way to go. They need the gospel. They need the love of Christ. And then the, the second thing is those pro- left-wing sort of protesters that are trying to dismantle the country, and which is a lot of what they want to do, is to be able to communicate to them as well. You know, the gospel, the good news of the gospel, that is going to be the only thing that will heal all of this anger and rage on, on, on all sides, I think. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh... For me, personally, when I think about any sort of kind of ethnic issues, I always go back to what I've been reminded of to remember your baptism. And this is particularly for Christians, so this is non-Christians, it doesn't apply. But when a Christian makes the confession that I have been baptized or is one baptism for the remission of sins, etc., they're making a very profound statement about allegiances. And one of the things that must be done is to make sure that the person is really understanding the severity of what they're doing. If you're kind of raging angry at what's going on and that raging anger gets directed at your brother in Christ, you now have to ask the question, what identity have you now outranked above your baptism? Mm -hmm. And to me, that's something I have to be constantly reminded of because there are all sorts of things that are tempting these days because we have so much identity politics that is common. Yeah. And so we have to remember what is central. And there are a lot of things that we identify with, but we are in Christ. We are baptized. And so one of songs that I sing at home relatively often is a song we sing in church often, Baptize into your most holy name. And there's a line in it that I think applies to this discussion, Baptize into... Uh, your name most holy and it says I claim a place though weak and lowly among your seed your chosen host mm-hmm. buried with Christ and dead to sin and so it's not a situation where you are this Christian and you're trying to just have a fist fight kind of argument with another Christian you are among the people of God mm-hmm. you are part of the same seed you're part of the same tree you're both connected virally to Christ and so the first thing to do is to kind of calm down and realize you two love each other. You're mm-hmm. called to love each other, and you really can't discuss this properly unless you love each other as is fitting for those who have been baptized in Christ. Yes. Amen. No, that's, that makes a lot of sense, um, what both of you guys have said. And essentially, we keep the gospel central. We, mm-hmm. we lead with the gospel. We keep it central. And I, John, to go back to something that you were saying is... 
um, it can be very easy to soundly and loudly condemn something like racism and forget that racists need the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I grew up in, a, uh, in the South and uh, in a context where I did come in contact with those who are pretty blatantly racist and would say things um, that would you know, make your skin crawl, especially if it's posted on social media these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember one uh, conversation at one point with actually a dear Christian woman who was struggling that with the fact that her uh, granddaughter was uh, dating someone and romantically interested in someone of a different ethnicity. And uh, it, there happened to be two or three Christians uh, all gathered together in that conversation. And very gently, one of the other Christians was able to point out to her that, you know, the way that you're thinking about this isn't actually biblical. And she actually, I think, came to tears, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. uh, to, re- to realize, she said, oh, oh my, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think I see some racism in my heart here. Mm-hmm. And um, that sort of response where we, we lovingly engage people uh, in mercy, um, mm-hmm. and, and I say in mercy because you think of Jesus' uh, teaching in, in the Beatitudes um, that, you know, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy, but the, the point that... He, he's driving at, as he does with some of his um, parables, is that um, you, you have to treat others in their sin um, in the same way that God has treated you in your sin. Mm-hmm. And you cannot look down on them uh, in a haughtiness that sort of abstracts yourself and yeah. lords it over them. And this is one of those issues where for those who are passionate about it, it can be easy to lord it over people mm-hmm. instead of sort of meet them with the gospel and, as Gabe was saying, um, in a conversation of love. And it needs to be pointed out, too, I think, uh, that we're not just talking about a black-white thing here. Yeah, exactly. uh, We're talking about the need to love one another and reach out to one another uh, in all uh, varieties of ethnicities. Uh, you know, our country, of course, is a wonderful melting pot of ethnicities from all over the world. And, and so uh, we would want to encourage our congregation, uh, members of our flock, uh, to, to, to branch out. Don't just, don't just spend time with people who are just like you uh, mm-hmm. or have the same kind of background than you do. I mean, some people are unwilling even to spend time with people that don't root for the same college football team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got to be here with Ross all the time. And all them, it's a real stretch for me. Um, but, you know, that having traveled widely over the years and, and, and become dear friends with people from all over the world, this is not a, a hard concept for me. Plus, I grew up in California where I was surrounded, you know, by people of all ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of uh, marriage between different ethnicities. I mean, my, I have a brother who's married to a, a, a girl who's a, a, a descendant from Mexico. And uh, my other brother is married to an Indonesian Mm-hmm. Uh, American girl who has a strong accent and they're lovely people from mm-hmm. lovely families and so for me it's just the whole racism thing it, it you know I can try to make sense of it academically but personally I have a hard time understanding how someone could hold some kind of superior you know think that they're inherently superior over someone else but it is a problem mm-hmm. let's not just say it's not a problem yeah. if there are only a hundred people that get filmed you know everywhere that are doing this mm-hmm. it is a problem and it needs to be rooted out of churches. It needs to be preached against, and and people need, as a response, to show. I think mm. that they're open to embracing people of other backgrounds by the way that they live. Absolutely. Yeah, and it can't be it can't be a problem in our minds just 
with, as you're saying, just with white supremacy and the most extreme versions of it. Yeah. It has to be a problem in the least extreme versions of it, but where mm -hmm. it still exists. Yes. Yeah, partiality is partiality. And the sin of partiality is pointed out multiple times in the book of James and throughout the New Testament. And what is mentioned up to this point, and I think it's worth rejoicing over, is that the gospel has taken those who would have been formerly enemies and have made them brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And Amen. that's enough, in this case, to really start dealing with it. You don't deal with someone as if they're your enemy. This is your brother, this is your sister. Yes. And you can, have a, you can have a hard conversation with your brother or sister, but because you love them, it's going to be treated differently. And that's often what we need. Uh, when racism exists, hard conversations are needed, but we don't hate people. These are not our enemies. These are, if they're in Christ, our brothers and Lord willing, if they're in Christ, we will be together in glory. So at this point, this is just simply uh, iron sharpening iron. This is a perhaps a blind spot. It may be something well developed in some, but the reality is that when it's there, we can actually confront it loving the person while doing it. Amen. Amen. Well, this has definitely been a good conversation on a very uh, difficult and uh, at times hard topic to discuss, but we pray that you've been blessed by our discussion, and we thank you for joining us on Between the Times.